Hello, photography lovers! I've missed you so much, but today we'll have the time to catch up a little. You know, it's Wednesday, which means that here in the Fashion Photography Podcast, me, Virginia Angeva, I'm prepared with another interview just for you. And my guest today is another fellow from the fashion photography business. His name is Alessio Albi. And today he's going to tell us the story on how he developed his Instagram profile. And I believe that's important because his following list is just huge. There are 320,000 people following him on Instagram. Don't forget that you can find all of our previous episodes on judefashionmagazine.com, neverlandmag.com and crowdmagazine.com, where you can also see the photos of our guests, which is super amazing because you can listen to the podcast while you're cooking or you're in the car, and then you have the time to see their photos and get to know them even better. So let's use Instagram account and also his website are linked in the show notes and you can also find them on our friends' websites. I know I'm giving you too much information, but you can also submit to those magazines. And publications like this are really going to help your portfolio. Don't forget to check them out. And in case you're wondering whether you're limited because you live in a small city, I have a little secret for you. Alessio is from a small city. And in this episode, he has the answers for you. And if you're not from a small city, but you're looking for something new, today we'll be talking about colors and how to approach them. Moods, lights, all these amazing topics. And we're here just for you. So I think it's time to start with a podcast. Hello, my name is Alessio. I'm Italian and I live in the center of Italy, in Perugia, a small town in the center of Italy between Florence and Rome, maybe the big one you probably know. Actually, my life has not always been about photography. Mostly of my life was about uh, science because uh, I am graduated in uh, medical biotechnologies. So I didn't study photography in the beginning of my career, actually. I am a biologist. Actually, I worked as a nutritionist for uh, four years after my studies. But when I was at the last year of my studies and in biotechnology, I discovered photography. And from then, that was about 2011, maybe, I discovered photography while I was studying. And it was my last year as student of biotechnologies. So I graduated and I worked, as I told you, as a nutritionist. And uh, while I was working, I was cultivating the passion for photography. And it was a passion, just a passion. Till 2015, I had a switch on my profession and uh, I stopped doing the nutritionist and I started doing full-time photographer. The reason was that I started to have a lot of more requests in works for photography because maybe the growth on uh, social networks started working as a photographer and till now it's two or three years at this point that I do just the photographer portrait and commercial fashion photographer for work and for living of course. Maybe for most of the people in the audience it's a very natural step to mm -hmm. stop being a nutritionist because you've had more requests and you mentioned that big yes. role this played out the social media part yeah and it's very funny when you just say it because people have no idea i suppose people have no idea how many followers do you have <laughs> 
they are a lot if you talk about numbers related. yes I, I think it's 320,000 on Instagram on other social media not so much I think I have 62,000 on Facebook and <laughs> 240,000 on 500 pics. But the most of my work is coming from the social network, is coming from uh, Instagram, Instagram, actually. Yeah, that's completely normal. But it was kind of funny to me because you were like, yeah, I just had more requests because my <laughs> yes. social media was booming. Yes, it's, it was really, really, really natural. And uh, I actually, I have to say that I didn't look for this kind of career. I wasn't even trying to be a photographer. It just came to me spontaneously. In the beginning, I was even scared about this because photography was a big, big part of my life as a passion and as a something that was making me feel better. So I thought maybe I will start to do as a job. I will totally lose the passion and it will totally collapse on me. But luckily, till now, this hasn't happened and I, I think it will not happen. You know what? I usually wait a little to jump to the social media part. But with you, it's inevitable. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your growth. And was it before or after the change of the algorithms and how it is for you right now? So my growth, I think this, the change of the algorithm was in June last year. I think it was around uh, the half of 2017, if I'm not wrong. I don't think you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was seeing around 200,000. So it affected my speed of growth, but it didn't affect the rest of stuff I brought from social networks. For example, the ability to stay in touch with clients, to contact clients, to expose myself to a bigger audience than the one I will definitely reach here. Because as I told you, first of all, I don't live in a big city. And second of all, I am new to the market, so I didn't have an established client base. I didn't have an established uh, even fan base for the social networks. So it was really, really hard without them. I'm pretty sure that they affected a lot of my photography in terms of uh, reach. And uh, the algorithm uh, changed, as I told you, a bit the speed of growth of numbers. But for me, it wasn't that important, actually. Maybe it's important if you look just at the numbers on the likes, on the photos, or something like that. Because as you know, the algorithm has done just detriment to people that want to grow their audience. Because not everyone that follows you see what you post. Yeah. For me, it wasn't that important as an impact it has. I thought in the beginning it would have been a little worse. That it actually was. It didn't affect me a lot. Awesome. Do you have some specific strategy? Do you want to share it with us? My line in what I post in the social has always been pretty linear. I mean, I post just the photos that I actually think I am a little proud of, for example. I mean, I post my works. I'm not the kind of blogger, for example, that posts his daily life, his daily routine. I know this kind of guy. I am pretty introverted guy if you talk about these things. So I don't even think that people would be interested in seeing what I do my, with my days and with my maybe heating. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone will be interested. So I, I prefer to stick to my photography and uh, just post that because I realized that people like my photography for what it is. I, I don't think they are interested in the character around me. I'm not even interested in myself, as I told you, in describing that. So my strategy will be the more coherent possible to myself and to my audience. I don't want to, for example, break the continuity of my feed, inserting, as I told you, a selfie of me doing stuff, because I think I would ruin it. 
this has always helped me keeping my fan base loyal and growing not super fast but still growing without going down oh you're very interesting to me because <laughs> yeah you say you're introvert and at the same time you are exposing only the photos that you love the most and you have about 2000 yeah. posts <laughs> which is incredible Yeah, but if you go back, I think I will delete a lot of pictures if I go back. Uh-huh. Because okay. I don't, because I think it's really important even to show to the others and to yourself your personal growth so they can see where you were coming from and where you have arrived and where you're going. This is something that very very useful to me, but also useful to people that sometimes maybe ask, "How did you do this kind of uh, beautiful pictures?" And I told them, uh, but well, go back and see the first ones. They are pretty different. They are not on the same level, I think, in terms of quality. Maybe you will like something more in terms of content, but uh, I think in terms of quality, I had a big, big growth in the last two years respect to my old work. So I prefer to leave it there to see where I am going, and that's really important to me. I think that the growth, the personal growth, and the, the growth in uh, quality of the work I'm doing is really one of my most important goals to follow. The other thing that I'm very interested in is that you are from a very small city and at the same time you're not going with all those so often excuses I'm from a small city I'll never succeed. <laughs> yeah. Which is very interesting to me. Tell me about the beginning. Have you ever had a thought like this? Not at all. In the beginning not at all. When I started, maybe for the first three years, as I told you before, I would have never thought about doing this as a job, leave alone the fact that someone would have called me to interview me <laughs> of my photography. Tell me, if you had this burden that you were from a small city? No. No, never. No, no, never. So the sky's the limit. <laughs> yes, with the current market and the current organization of social medias. The fact that I live in a small city and the fact that even in a big city is pretty much the same because my audience is the same. I'm not working on a specific market of a town, on a specific market of a part of my country. I am trying to expose my work to the most people around the globe. So if I'm here or if I'm in New York, it doesn't change so much. I mean, it will definitely change. I think it will definitely increase my reach if I go in a bigger city because of opportunities. I don't feel myself so limited in uh, what I do from here and where I will do maybe in another city. That's even an option that I will move to another city, but it's not so important for what I'm doing now. So for everyone who is using these type of excuses, you have <laughs> no right to use them anymore. <laughs> I think it depends on what kind of stuff are you doing and what is your goal, what is the kind of field of work you want to reach. To me like this, but I am pretty sure that someone will find it differently. For example, if someone will stick to fashion photography as main job, I think it will be very limiting here because we don't have uh, many agencies, we don't have fashion shows, we don't have the fashion weeks. So that will be a little bit harder, even possible because you would just grab a train or a plane and go to the place if you want to move a lot. But in the long time, for example, if you want to build a family in the meantime, it's really, really complicated. And I would suggest in that case to be in a bigger city. Mm -hmm. But again, we can move around, so it's not the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. And you said that people are not very interested in you and what you do, but that's not really the truth. Everyone listening to this podcast knows that I'm very interested in food. <laughs> and you're a nutritionist, so I'm very interested yes. what you eat. And is there something specific that you would say 
because every profession has different challenges. And we yes. as photographers, sometimes we can be on the job all day and some of us even forget to eat. So yeah. as an ex-nutritionist, acts as much as you can be, since <laughs> that's your education, do you have any specific uh, advices for the photographers out there on what they should eat, what they should do? In terms of eating, that's hard. <laughs> But super interesting. I wasn't able to ask all of my previous yes. guests about that. <laughs> I get it, it's new. That's pretty hard because uh, the main problem for this kind of works is that you don't have usually a specific routine to follow in your days. And sometimes you're moving a lot. You're traveling, you're flying, you're shooting all day, you're shooting at night. Actually, many clients in the past work with these kind of problems, not only in photography. And uh, you just have always to think about that you can give them the best diet in the world, but probably they will not be able to follow it if they don't have time. So that's hard. You just have to be sure they don't eat always the bad aliments that are pretty easy to reach, like industrial food or fast foods, even a lot of uh, pasta, pizza, panini that are usually very, very common in Italian cuisine. Oh my God, that was right in my heart. <laughs> I love it as well, but it can be detrimental for your health if you eat that once as a main part of your diet. I would suggest, of course, to eat more vegetables and fruits, lean proteins and good uh, fats. For example, olive oil, that is very, very common and a big part of uh, our diet in Italy. I understand that it's not always possible, actually. In my strategies, I was trying to create uh, compromises between uh, doable and uh, good. It will take a bit of time to realize that it's doable, but it's hard. If I can suggest something, just bring some fruit to your shootings and eat fruit while you shoot much better than everything you will find in a fast food or a easy to reach place to eat. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Though, you know, it seems like you all the telling people all this pasta, all this pizza. Yeah. It's like you're eating fruits all the time. They're no. just not sticking to it. I don't know <laughs> how you do that. <laughs> It's pretty strong here, the culture of pasta and pizza. I had always to, to work against it. <laughs> <laughs> Not because it's bad in absolute way, but how people tend to heat it here many times tends to be too much. So it's really hard to approach it. I mean, if I, if I went to another country, maybe that would have not been the main problem. I think I should be very happy that I wasn't born in Italy. Because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> I, would have, I would have been so happy. You have yeah. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let's go back to photography because people are going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> because your education was in another field, how yeah. did you found all your knowledge about photography? Because I am a very curious guy. I started to look around the web for everything I could find in the beginning about tutorials for shooting, for post-production, for the thing that usually are the first a newbie in the field look for. Then I started to go around, for example, exhibitions and know photographers that uh, are pretty much in the field. And uh, sticking with them and sticking with uh, each other, we started to grow ourselves as a photographer, but not only talking about photography itself, because I think that it's really important that the photographer doesn't have to have just a strong culture in photography itself, but it has to be more wide culture and knowledge to be a good photographer, in my opinion. If I have to give suggestion to someone on how to grow 
as a photographer. Yes, of course, I would suggest you to study a lot of books, a lot of stuff on the internet, a lot of seminars, workshops regarding photography itself. But I will mainly suggest to start looking, for example, at movies from uh, good authors, start looking at exhibitions in terms of, for example, painting, drawing, start to be interested in uh, all fields of culture. I can say human culture, but I can uh, even say, for example, science. Not because of the direct connection with uh, visual arts, mostly because of the method that science gives you approaching things and approaching problems and how to try to resolve them. That's really, really important. And that uh, helped me a lot. I love that advice. It's yeah. very practical, in fact. I think that everything that you got in your life, in your growth will be very useful, even if it's not mm -hmm. uh, directly related to your field. Yeah. During this period of research, do you manage to collect some favorite sources, YouTube channels, or maybe mm -hmm. blogs? Yes. I started actually when I was beginning to study post-production on a website that I often suggest. It's called Flurn, flurn.com. Mm -hmm. I love those guys. Yes, it's very useful and it's very, very well uh, teached. It's very clear and uh, it's very calm and relaxing and you get a lot of useful tools and it's very, very well made, actually. I will suggest to a lot of people that approach photography in the beginning. In terms of mostly post-production, but they even do the shooting part. For the shooting part, I mostly suggest to have experience yourself on the field because the most of your experience will go through errors, through tries, through experience itself, more than looking at videos on the internet, actually. Great. Awesome. Because you have some very interesting colors in your photographs, let's yeah. talk a little bit about color. How important yeah. this is for you and how did you manage to learn about it? Oh, very, very, very important. For the first part of my photography career, it was totally 100% color. Now I started to do more, more, a little bit more black and white, but I'm really, really more into color even now. I started to approach colors looking at movies. As I told you, I am a big, big movie nerd in a lot of uh, sci-fi movies. Awesome. So we have... <laughs> yeah. We'll have a conversation about that too. Yeah. And uh, for example, looking at a movie like Blade Runner, I started to... Oh, my most uh, favorite movie. I love yeah, that answer. <laughs> that's great. And the use of colors that Ridley Scott used in the first one was tremendous. Even in the newest one. Looking at movies, I think the most influence in my photography in terms of color. Then oil paintings are really, really important for my portraits in terms of colors. But that the main inspiration comes from definitely from uh, movies. Yeah, but at the same time, we cannot always find the colors that we are looking for in our surrounding. Yes. So what's your approach? Do you usually get the colors in the camera or afterwards? In the beginning, in the first two years, I had a bad uh, attitude in this regard because I was thinking, oh, I can get whatever the color I want in post-production, so I don't have to think about the colors I will, I will shoot in photo. And I think that this is a very limiting approach because first, you will not reach the, the best result like this because uh, you can change the colors in post-production, but you will not have the same quality in working on the color and thinking about the color in pre-production. Second, because uh, in fact, as I told, if you start to think about what colors are matching uh, and you start to understand how colors work together in terms of, for example, uh, complementary colors, you will definitely have better results for yourself and for your audience in terms of quality. 
So I think at this point of my photography, my main goal is uh, to match color together, but starting to think about, uh, or before the shoot, for example, knowing what a model should wear in terms of color, uh, matching her hair color or uh, the background. I think one of my favorite things about myself for my photography is that uh, I have a good eye in matching colors on location. So I have a good instinct to find where to put a subject to make it match the color of the surrounding. My main goal now is to consider the color aspect uh, before and during uh, the shoot. And then 10% at the end. If you see my latest photos, the color doesn't change a lot from before and after uh, for the latest ones. But for the first ones, they change it really, 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 maybe too much. <laughs> and people can see your latest photos probably on your Instagram account, right? Yes. yes Do you want to share it with us? Yes. My Instagram account is Alessio Albi, attached. Which is also linked in the show notes guides, as usual, along with his website. I started to stick more and more on Instagram rather than the other social networks and even than my website that is at this point uh, not updated. Last time I, I think I updated uh, my website is one year ago, two years ago, something like that. So if you want to see my work at the moment, I suggest you to stick with my Instagram first and then the rest of the channels. Awesome. And we will, definitely. Because <laughs> you're providing very cool content and you're doing it daily. Yes, I'm not doing shooting all days, luckily and uh, sadly, <laughs> at the same moment. First, because I find times when I don't have a lot of inspiration. So in these times, I prefer to stop and do something else, even not related to photography. And uh, second, because for the kind of stuff I'm trying to do, not every day is the same and not every day is suitable for uh, organizing a shoot. Mm -hmm. For example, I tend a lot to consider the weather, to consider the mood of the day, the atmosphere, and to consider the model I have and to consider all the situation around the shoot. So not only the subject, for example, if I want to shoot a subject on a blank background, it's pretty easy. But uh, for what I'm trying to do, I try to look for the correct situation and sometimes it's very, very hard to have it. And you talk, like you said, in terms of mood and light. Yes. And okay, let's first talk about the mood. What are yes. you looking for usually? Huh. It's really hard to describe it and uh, to talk about where, I was, uh, where I'm trying to go. Actually, I was very instinctive on this from uh, my beginnings. Maybe because I started to do photography as a kind of uh, escape method from my depression at the time. When I was 26-year-old, 27-year-old, now I'm... 31. So the mood was coming out pretty <laughs> easy and uh, by itself. I was not trying to look at the mood itself. It was coming out from my photos. And then I realized looking back what I was maybe trying to say through my photos. So at this point, I don't think I have the same problems, but I got the same kind of taste. So I maintained the taste and the method to achieve it. So the atmosphere, for example, for a portrait on location to me is really, really important. And to achieve it, I have uh, to look, for example, for the exact hour of the day, for example, at dusk or at sunset, or even at midday for a strong sunlight. Not always I have the mood in mind before I do the shoot, but usually going through it and seeing what is work coming out better, I reach specific mood and then from there I move on on the same or to another line. And I'm sure that light is also helping a lot in this process. 
I always say that I prefer not to say that I am just a natural light photographer, but I say I prefer to use available light. I can mostly use natural light, but I even use a source of uh, artificial light made by humans, for example, lamp light or street lights, something like that. Mm-hmm. I even work many times with artificial light that I put on location with strobes, with torches. This is mostly for my commercial works that I don't post a lot on the social networks. I prefer to keep the social networks for my personal research portfolio. Oh, that's very interesting. Yes. Probably because your personal work is attracting more clients. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think that that is really my goal. I always thought if I want to stick to photography as a job, I want to do what I like. I don't want to go in the direction that is needed to find work. I mean, I had work in the past, so I didn't need that. I just want to stuck with the kind of style I like. And then if someone likes it, he can buy it or he can commission some work in this line, of course, with the proper adjustment and the proper solutions for every work. Hope you love this part of the interview because there is another one next week just for you. And next week, I'll be also answering your questions and giving you advices on Friday. So if there is something that is truly bothering you, Do not forget to ask your question in our Facebook group called the Fashion Photography Podcast. All the people in the group are ready to answer your questions. But at the same time, I'll do make sure to answer it on the next Friday show. So share your struggles, tell me how can I help, and I'll see you next week. 